Unwelcome guests. We must locate them. What is that? I don't know. Hate not knowing. We're actually gonna do it. Rob the bank. Picture the thing you want most in the universe. Decide how badly you want it. How can you trust someone if they look back at you out of your own eyes? This isn't just a bank heist. It's a time travel heist. Are you hungry, boy? The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I actually remember that I said welcome back Lee Shackelford first last time, so I'm remembering that I need to say First, welcome back, Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I am doing well. Glad to be back with you guys to talk about some more Doctor Who, man. Yes, indeed. And I get to say second this time, welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Howdy, guys. Howdy. I think as I listen back to our shows that I think that you've been saying uh, howdy to me first pretty much routinely. Uh, So... If you're going to... I have broken the time (laughs) continuum. It just seems that way. Anyway, you're stuck in a mode. Anyway, but yeah, I'll be honest with uh, you and everybody else. I sat down here to record and I was not feeling it. You know, I just um, just not in the mood and uh, talking with you guys for a while before we before we hit record. And I feel great. So, you know, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, you know what? I have something that I want to bring up before we get into our review of Time Heist. But before I do that, Lee, you had something that you wanted to bring up, but there is also something that you like to tell people who are listening. So why don't you bring up your topic and tell that in one I go? I love it. Yeah. Go for it. Well, uh, you know, folks uh, listening, if you've listened to us many, many times, or if this is your first time hearing Discussing Who, Uh, We're aware that there's lots of other things you could be doing, but here you are. So thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. Um, It is, as we record this, it is March 22nd, and a lot of nerd fandom uh, has been uh, celebrating the 91st birthday of William Shatner, who was, um, for those who don't know, the star of a different science fiction franchise. But um, Denny Crane. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Boston Legal was the show or, or perhaps tj hooker but um but yeah hale and hardy at 91 he has as one of my another of my friends observed on facebook today lived long and prospered so but for doctor who wise and by complete coincidence it is also the birthday or i we have to say birth anniversary of the late mary tam who was the doctor's companion i guess romana aka fred uh, she she was taken from us all too soon. She was, in fact, the age I am now. Dun, dun, dun. But um, but it was the cancer that got her. But lovely Mary Tam was Romana for uh, quite a while there in uh, in the late seventies, right? That is yeah. indeed, I believe, correct. And, yes. Um, yeah, and is much missed. Uh, I would say to anybody who hasn't watched Classic Who, look for the. Uh, Fourth Doctor and Romana One stories, and uh, I think you're in for a treat. 
she is the only time lady that uh, the doctor's ever traveled with. And uh, as a result, for once, the joke was on him because uh, the companion regenerated <laughs> and, uh, and turned into Lala Ward. So who, who we refer to as Romana too sometimes, but anyway, anyway, I, I, I wish that I, uh, we were talking about having a time machine earlier. I wish that I could go back in time and, uh, and meet Mary Tam, lovely, lovely lady anyway, but celebrate her birthday today. Well, interestingly enough, I believe as of this recording day, it is also the birthday of one Martha Jones, Freema Agamon. So kudos all around for birthdays. Get out of town. I believe it is. At least I think I saw that on Facebook. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. How old is he? Do you know? I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm in the process of finding out. Um, 1979. Oh, she's my age. Yes, uh, March 20th. So we, we, we kind of missed it, but yeah. But, time, so. you know, I have been told that I, you know, and I did not come up with this title, but I have been told that I am very good with segues. So this may be yeah. the 22nd. It's true. This may be the 20th that our birthday. <laughs> we can say time is relative. And there's something that I mm. haven't mentioned in a while. We haven't mentioned in a while. Something that longtime listeners of this show will know. Relativity. And Lee, I'm going to throw it back to you once again. Where else now can people find <laughs> relativity? Yeah, I, I was... I still don't quite understand the logic of this, but uh, the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, is treating drama and comedy podcasts, I guess anything that, that tells a narrative story, as a TV show or a movie. And so imagine my surprise when I opened my IMDb Pro account and it was asking for more information about relativity. So, yeah. So, yeah, little by little, I'm adding the episode synopses and cover art and everything for all 65 episodes. But uh, I wanted to at least get our principal cast up there, which, you know, is, is the, 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 the Fantastic Four. That's uh, Elena, Stephanie, Clarence, and yours truly. There are nine other Clarence Browns out there. So uh, in, in, adding, in adding Clarence to the cast, IMDb Pro now knows him as Clarence Brown. I X. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. that is <laughs> that great? Yeah, I need to go back and look so, at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so uh and I'll keep adding cast, of course, and uh, as the episodes go along, but it's a uh, it's labor intensive. Oh, it's gonna take yeah. a while to get to get all that stuff. I up do there. not envy you, um, sir. <laughs> well, our uh, our friend uh, Shannon Perry, friend of the show, is struggling with the same thing with Oz Nine. And she's got you know, some of those episodes have got 15 characters in them. Ooh. So she's going to have to do cast credits on all of them. And yeah, I don't envy that either. So, but anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I it is, it is fun to see a uh, relativity all of a sudden on IMDb I mean, Pro. you know, you mentioned Oz nine. Imagine somebody, mm. the chore that it is for somebody. I couldn't even imagine this having to, read out all of those names at the end. I mean, <laughs> wow. Whoever does that must be brilliant. It's it's too much it for is. one person. I, I would so. think they'd need two. You there you go. Two. All right, real quick, guys. And, and this is something that we've talked about maybe a year or so ago, and we've not brought this up in quite a while. 
But considering the fact that it popped into my head over the weekend, we're getting to the end of the 13th Doctor's tenure. There is something that popped into my head that is still unresolved, and I just want to throw it out there and get your thoughts. And here it is. In Fugitive of the Jadoon, spoilers, by the way, if you have not seen Fugitive of the Jadoon, but in Fugitive of the Jadoon, we see for the very first time the Fugitive Doctor, Joe Martin's Ruth Doctor, but I don't really want to talk about her. I want to talk about her TARDIS. Any thoughts on explanations as to why her TARDIS is a police box if she predates Hartnell? Clarence, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just off the top of your head, what say ye? I don't think there is a good explanation. <laughs> I really don't. There you go. Unless... Whenever she came to that particular time period where we find her, which is 2020, so I'm, or thereabouts, hmm. maybe the TARDIS just automatically made itself a police box. I don't know. Maybe it peered into its hmm. future self. <laughs> I'm That's all that I come up with. Lee? Yep. Yep. I, I, I rather like that because the best I've been able to come up with is, is not. We talk about the. Um, the, the whole notion of the timeless child changing things. If my theory is correct, it really changes things. But um, we never saw the second doctor uh, turn into the third. And that posits the possibility of a life in between the two, or maybe multiple lives. And the TARDIS was already a police box by that point. So maybe that's, Maybe that's where she fits in. I would be happy with that. I really would. I would, you know, not trying to get too far down a rabbit hole, but I would really be happy with that. But that just, for some reason, popped into my memory. And I was like, you know what? Let's ask it. And, you know, we've had a few years not talking about it, but let's ask it and get our thoughts. And we did. So, yeah. So, gentlemen, do you have any other items before we actually get into the review? Not I. Can't wait for Easter. Haha. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I can't wait to say, if you have not seen Time Heist, put us on pause. Go out. Watch the episode. Come back. Because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. Well, spoilers. And I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Time Heist. This is the fifth episode of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 20th of September, 2014. It starred Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald. So, summary view. Clarence Brown, I'm going to start with you. Summary view. What say ye? Oh, man. This is an episode that I thought from the way it started that it would just be pretty boring. And I did feel like that in some parts. But by the end, man, it really managed to capture my attention and interest. You know, the whole timey-wimey thing. So, 
yeah, I think by the end of it, I really can't come away enjoying it. Though in the in the very beginning part, uh, not so much. Can't wait to talk it out. <laughs> this has never happened before. I I prepped for the wrong episode. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've seen Time Heist, you know, recently, but I uh, all all of my notes are about uh, the caretaker. Oh no, that's next week. Okay, okay, Time Heist. Yeah, uh, that, that's the one before. Oh no, I'm so no, sorry. No, it's just me getting uh, getting weeks mixed that's up. That's funny. Um, yeah, we have, we haven't talked about Time Heist, have we? I know. Okay. Well, no wonder. <laughs> so that that's brilliant. That's priceless. So Lee. Time heist. What say you? Because for me, well, let me say this real quick. And this may be a little bit how you're feeling. For me, it's almost like I picked up one of those memory worms and forgot the whole episode because I'm so disagreeing with Clarence. I, while that, while I think it was okay, it was forgettable to me. And I'm curious mm. to know what you think. Memory heist. Um, yeah, I hope you're not going to cut that out because I think it's funny. I think, I mean, <laughs> I prepared for the wrong episode, but I have seen Time Heist. I just have to refresh my memory about it, but it is very complicated and it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a heist movie. You know, that's uh that is a sub genre, the, the heist movie of which my, uh, my friend, uh, I like to call him my friend, George Clayton Johnson wrote maybe the definitive Back in the 60s, uh, a little film called Ocean's Eleven. You know, we, we, we've imitated this many times since. It, and and, and they always have to be like uh, like an old school video game, right? There's levels that you have to solve and floors that you have to go to and so on and so forth. And, and you get set back to the beginning and things like that. So uh, uh, this script uh, is, is structured that way. And it's a lot of fun. I, I have questions about it you know, about really who was the architect of all of this and why, but, uh, but I enjoyed it a lot. And, and again, let me say, I, I was kind of making a joke kind of at your expense to be, to be honest, it felt like I had forgotten it. And, you know, you, you revealed to the audience that you had <laughs> notes for the wrong uh, episode, but that being said, literally I did enjoy parts of it, but as a whole, it just didn't click for me. There was interesting characters that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But, you know, as a whole, maybe you guys can change my point of view. So, Clarence, I want to ask you, what did you think of this concept of a planetary bank? Uh, haven't we done this before with the library? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. <laughs> how is that different from a planetary library? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's the future, so it just has to be bigger. That's the only real thing I got, of, got out of yeah. that. But there is yeah. something interesting about this being the most secure facility or planet in this case uh, ever. And the way they go about managing and uh, securing said facility or planet it, is kind of interesting in some ways. And, you know, I, th I think I like the concept, but to me, it was just another take on the, um, well, I forget the name of the episode, but the, the library planet. Lee, did he just say he forgot the name of the episode of one of the greatest episodes of all Doctor Who that introduces the one and the B only million, River million. song? I've been saved. Yeah, go ahead and say it. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, you, are, are you trying to say that Donna Noble has left the library? Donna Noble has been saved? Yes. Thank you. I think so. All right. So, Lee, what did you think of the, uh, I was about to say library, the Planetary Bank, and then also the teller? I, w- I want to transition to talk about the teller. So what did you think of the bank and then about the teller? I had forgotten that that was called a teller. He's the bank teller. That's hilarious. Okay. Uh, yeah, totally missed that. Uh, how many times have we seen, uh, speaking of the, the planet-sized whatever, uh, how many times have we seen this thing where what the uh, the big angry creature actually wants is to is to be with their own kind? We've never seen that before, have we? <laughs> not, not on Doctor Who, no. <laughs> I'll tell you the last time we saw it, Hyde. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we were reviewing Hyde, I said, how many times have we seen this thing with... <laughs> So whatever. Anyway, it's 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 still fine, you know. It's a uh, it's a good solution to the problem, you know. And of course, you know, is is true to life in a lot of ways. These things really happen. But a very interesting design, a very interesting creature design, and genuinely startling in its appearance, you know. Well, since we're talking about the teller, and and then Clarence, I want to tell you know get your thoughts. And, and this is so like off the wall and makes no sense and this is sci-fi and whatever and so forth but the thing that just got me in the most it way again this is sci-fi but put some clothes on them at the end really <laughs> you know you've got these big two well, creatures walking off into the sunset and they're naked and i'm like i don't want to see that yeah i guess the way that read to me was that the uh the the outfit was a um, it was a symbol of their entrapment of their slavery. Good point. So you know, uh, first of all, Lee, don't feel bad because I didn't remember what they were called either. I just have written down telepathic sniffer dogs. Yeah, but I thought it was, it was very interesting that they able to detect guilt. Uh, I find that is a pretty cool concept telepathically. And also, not only that, wipe minds once they find out that you're you've done something bad. So I found that kind of interesting. It did kind of, in my opinion, get less interesting as the episode went on because I was like just kind of tired of them by the end. Yeah. But yeah, interesting concept. I, I would say that on the face of it. All right. So Clarence, I want to ask you another question. The idea of the teller that someone has taken a sentient being has taken it captive and is using something that this being is or can do to torture other beings. So basically using this sentient being as a weapon. Does that sound familiar of something that we've seen recently? So so I guess the writers from Star Trek Prodigy was watching this episode (laughs) because they have a character called Zero that is basically the same thing for all intents and purposes. Which is cool, you know, and um, Lee, I think you will uh, be able to attest to this, which is there are only so many stories in the universe and they're just all told different ways. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's that's something people often say. And it's uh, it's true, but it's a broad stroke. And so I think it's we can protest when something is a little too on the nose, you know. Yeah, it's it's important that this character can't speak. And that reminds us of other things that we've seen, too, of uh, enslaved alien races who don't get any lines. (laughs) 
Well, speaking of other people that did get lines, we've got Miseries Del Fox. And Lee, I want to get your idea of this person that is very put together and she's in control and all of this and she's in charge of the bank. What were your thoughts on her? If you're putting an episode like this together, if you're the showrunner, if you're creators of the show, there's several ways you can go with that. This can be a big, imposing guy. This can be a crotchety old man. This can be scary lady. Or it can be a foxy lady. And naturally, I approve of them going with foxy lady. Indeed. Because it suggests that she's... Maybe she's not what she appears to be. The way she's played, she's sly and manipulative. So you wonder what's up with that. Be completely assured of her own power. So I think that's all very interesting. I agree with Lee said, but in, in my opinion, she just wasn't... I don't know. I, I don't know if I buy, and I, I don't want to give too much away from the end of the episode, but I'm not sure I buy the change of heart by the end of this and she's on her deathbed which does that even make any sense because we find out she's a clone yeah that just kind of puzzled me with the motivation of the character to of course have this timey-wimey thing of where she is reaching out to the doctor you know during her last breaths to do this one good thing I, I, i i don't know if i get it i don't get it that's one of the things i really didn't like about the episode what did you guys think of her being a, well, you know, we, you just said she's a clone and there have been very many Mrs. Dale Foxes and she basically is clone of a clone of a clone of a clone all running the same bank together. And they chalk it up to the fact of this is a security thing because who do you trust bet more than yourself? Thoughts? Didn't they even say as much that she doesn't even trust her other clones? Didn't they say that? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, then let's just move on to Sai and Sabra. And Sai is the gentleman with the implants in his head, basically the computer in his head. Sabra reminded me, I'll just go ahead and say it, rogue of the X-Men because she can't touch anybody because she's going to absorb them. So I'm like getting major rogue of the X-Men vibes. So just let's pair these two together. Any thoughts on them as a pair? What were your thoughts? And Lee, I'll let you start. Uh, I guess I'm still watching this and thinking how this parallels to other heist movies and heist TV shows. And I was thinking uh, that this is a nice variation because very often, well, I'm thinking about the Mission Impossible TV series, the original Mission Impossible, that uh, every episode would turn on whatever the 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 elaborate you know behind the scenes thing that they're pulling was going on in that episode you need the tech guy you know you need the guy whose job is to be the one who can fix things make things uh you know remember things whatever it is and uh, then there's the person who is the master of disguise so you always have to have that person and it can't be the same person so uh and I thought they just took that and and raised it to a certain power right she's not just a master of disguise she can literally turn into anybody that she comes into contact with and this guy is not just the guy with the toolbox he is the toolbox i thought so that's fun that uh the, this writer uh made that raised that to uh, that power 
I thought to myself that, man, these are some very interesting characters. I really love them both, to be honest. Psy being the augmented human and, and, and Cerber being the mutant human slash shapeshifter. I really love them. It it really made me think of, with our current season of Doctor Who, Bell and Vendor. I really come away with those characters not really having that much to hold on to. Oh, even though I thought they were kind of interesting. But to me, these characters here in this one episode, and maybe they come back. I don't know. I can't remember. But these two characters are so interesting to me. I just really, I kind of loved them just in this short time we had with them. You know, Lee, you, and this is, you know, Moffitt's era, but you said something when we were in our RTD era, and I don't remember which episode was the particular one we were talking about, but I remember you saying that that RTD had a great talent of taking an insignificant character, and I may be mincing your words here, but something to the effect of taking a incidental or minor character and making them important. Is, isn't that what you yeah. said? Exactly, yeah. But it's sort of like his philosophy seemed to be, why have minor characters who are just wallpaper? Why not make them interesting? Even if they're only on the screen for for ten seconds, have them say or do something that is memorable. Hey, I love that. I'm sorry, but I just want to add on to that. Even when we get to what they are looking for within the heist, uh, I, I I thought both you know uh, I think Sai wanting something where he can get all his memories back, and and Sabra wanting this thing that will allow her to stop shape to be normal basically. I thought all of that even added more weight to the characters when we get to that point. So I just think they were, were well written. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you guys on that. We don't see them again. Spoilers. You know, this is a one-off time that we see them. But they are characters that I would have loved to have seen come back a la Bastard, Jenny, and Strax. That they, they just had a chemistry between amongst themselves and they were unique that's what i really liked about them they weren't your cookie cutter characters they were unique individuals that i think you could have done something with so um well written well acted in my opinion so i want to go into the idea of erasing memory and the architect of this and clarence I'll start with you. What were your thoughts of, A, getting your memories erased or having your memories erased or self-erasing your memories, and then the architect character, and I'll go ahead and say it, the reveal that the doctor was the architect. Thoughts? Uh, It was very interesting in a sense of with time travel, Sometimes you don't want to, sometimes when you go to go in the past, you don't want to be the cause of the thing you're going to the past to prevent. So I think in this case for them, it was required in this case, particularly of them not knowing what would happen. At least I think that's how I'm playing it out in my head. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird that the doctor really didn't leave any breadcrumbs you know it seems like he could have left a note or something to kind of tell him what the heck was going on but i i feel like it was necessary for what they were doing in this big timey wimey ball of 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 time heist here i like how you said that lee 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be my takeaway from this. <laughs> I think I'm always trying to watch a, an episode like this from the point of view of the screenwriter, obviously, and because I keep talking about it that way. But yeah, at this one, I was thinking, we don't have any characters that we can point to now and reveal them to be the architect, right? It's probably going to have to be him. So what I'm waiting to see is why. I had anticipated that, and so then the reveal happens, and I said, okay, uh, uh, out with it, Buster. Why? <laughs> and uh, even though I've seen this episode several times now, I'm still not entirely sure I understand it. it to me, that's not that's not satisfying. Yeah. It's like, oh, you were the architect. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, I, you know, I get the explanation that they gave and I'm assuming and I say assuming in a question assuming that it was they were trying to not know what was going on because if they knew what was going on the telepathic person you know the the teller quote unquote would pick up on what they were doing all of that being said if they knew (laughs) what they were doing you know where I'm going with this, that they knew what they were doing and the teller reads their thoughts that they're trying to come and save the teller's mate, then yeah, we're true. over in 15 minutes. True. But it's also the chicken and the egg thing a little bit. Uh, there's a great episode of Voyager, I think it's called The Void, where they see this ship trapped in this um, phenomenon and they go in and investigate and then at the end of the episode, they found out it was them all along. So the doctor got a call from somebody he gave a phone number to during the trip he hasn't taken yet. Right. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, and Lee, help me here. The woman that called was from sometime in the future, not the past, because she was on her deathbed. Yes, but right. the doctor gave him her the note when he went back to Into the her past. Yeah. Wibbly wobbly. Uh, well, yeah. So she has the note when she's a young woman. And then when she has an old woman, she, she calls it. She calls the number. My head hurts. Yeah. He gave the number out just like the woman in the shop. Exactly. Gotta love women yeah. in the shop. That's all I can say. <laughs> but you're still right, Clarence. It is, a, it is another one of those time loop problems. If he hadn't answered the call... He wouldn't be there to give her the number so she can make the call and yes, and so on and so forth. Yeah. We see a moment, and Lee, I want to get your thoughts on this because we, we've kind of hinted around the bush or, you know, like the fact of we're reusing concepts here in this. And I see another reused concept with the doctor wanting to get his memories back and is basically giving the teller the ability to go into his mind, but instead of taking, giving. Is this just the reverse of the big planet thing and the rings of Abacadabra? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Thoughts about that? Well, (laughs) now that that you mention it, I now like Time Heist even less than I did before. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right, because we loved Rings of Whatchamacallit. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> All right, so I have another question about that, and you know where I have to eventually wind up, and, you know, I'm going to be eating crow left, right, center maybe in a couple of months, but I'll deal with it when that comes. That said, 
the doctor wants his memories back. Clarence, I have to ask the question, did Chibnall break this in the sense of if the teller is giving him his memories back, why didn't he get all of the memories that were locked out? Oh, wow. That, I, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Here's what I was thinking as I watched it this time through. And I, I know I keep referring to this for everyone listening, and I'm sorry, but with the revelation with the war doctor, the war doctor didn't break everything that had come before or came after. It, he was inserted into, and it fit nicely, and the before could happen and the after could happen. This teller has no clue of what memories this being in front of him might or might not have. He, he has no concept of there's a block or wh whatever. Now, I could argue maybe that there was a block that was inserted there that was like a mental block that even the teller couldn't get past, maybe. But it still begs the question of, does Chibnall break this concept? Or does is this something that was broken because of why didn't he get all of his memories back? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, gentlemen, I kid you not that I have come to the end of my list of topics for this episode that said, do either of you have anything else that you wanted to bring up about time heist? And if so, Lee, I'm going to start with you. Anything else that piqued your interest about time heist? Nope. Um, I was impressed by some of the uh, the set pieces, and it kind of makes me wonder, did they build all of that? Because there have to be some locations here. I'd, I'd like to know more about that. Didn't you think? I mean, we, we went to a lot of different places in this episode. That's kind of unusual. So, Yep, indeed. Indeed. Clarence, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Lee that the visuals were, were pretty good. Uh, the set pieces were excellent. The worm things came from snowmen right or are those in classic as well i think snowmen was the first time we saw i think them. it's yeah yeah i think it's snowmen all right guys let's get into our favorites so lee i'm gonna start with you favorite quote what say you oh i love the doctor sort of giving himself to the teller funny it's a funny speech for uh peter cabaldi to get to say uh that's it. That's it. There's so many memories in here. Feast on them. Tuck in. Big scarf, bow tie. Bit embarrassing. What do you think of the new look? I was hoping for minimalism, but I think I came up with magician. <laughs> That's oh, nice. All right. Awesome. Clara, favorite quote? I like the exchange at the beginning of the episode when Clara is getting ready for a date and a doctor is basically in her way. Or he asks, are you taller? And she says, Hills. Do you have to reach on reach for a high shelf? I'm late. Poor shelf? So basically a doctor's just clueless as he why is he so clueless when it comes to this? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So my favorite quote, Clarence, comes right along with what you just said, is when the doctor asked Clara, why is your face so colored in? Yeah, no, colored in. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Favorite scene. Clarence, I'm going to start with you. Favorite scene, what say ye? 
I guess mine is kind of has uh, is more about the quote, really, but I like the scene as well. But it's when Sai is talking to the doctor and he says, I still don't understand why you're in charge. Basically, it's the eyebrows. <laughs> so good. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Favorite scene, Mr. Shackelford, what say ye? It's a very quick thing, but I just love the this visual and the concept of this bomb. You know, we know it's going to blow a hole in the floor, probably, right? And it does. And I guess I'm thinking, well, everybody's going to know where you went, aren't they? <laughs> and then it heals itself back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the floor. Yeah, it's a dimension bomb. That's Pretty cool. <laughs> what, a, what a cool idea and what a great visual. Yeah. Funny that you said, so good segue here. It could have been a bomb. It's not a bomb, but it could have been a bomb for my favorite scene. That said, <laughs> was when Mrs. Um, Del Fox or Miss Del Fox was going into the vault and she uses her breath to unlock the door. Yeah. I thought that was just brilliant. So anybody mm -hmm. that would, you know, use that is just cool. So, um, yeah. I love that. That was my favorite scene was using your breath to unlock something. Awesome. So final rating, Clarence Brown, Mr. Brown, I'm going to start with you. Final rating. What say ye? I think I'm going to come in at about a 3.6. I didn't hate the episode. I didn't love it, but I agree with what you said at the very beginning, Kyle. It is kind of forgettable. Like I didn't remember anything about this episode other than you know it being some kind of type of bank robbery thing which i guess is the main plot but it's very forgettable very forgettable all right lee what say ye for all the reasons clarence just said i'm gonna give it three memory chips out of five mm. so i'm gonna go meta before i give my rating and go literally meta with us I think I could, you know, I could make the joke memory worm like I did earlier, uh, raised your memory. But I think <laughs> there is something about this, no matter how well acted or whatever, that is forgettable. And Lee, I don't think it was a coincidence because of that, that you went ahead and watched. Because, <laughs> because for everyone listening, we took off last week because I wasn't able to record. So Clarence and Lee were ready to, you know, discuss this a week ago. Yeah. I, I think your brain just naturally forgot it because it's not that memorable of an episode. And with that yeah, being said... Just kind of thought we did it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, I'm going to give it 2.7 calls from the woman in the shop out of five. There you go. I really, I'm so sorry. And for everyone listening, if you disagree with me, please, please, please let us know but I really didn't enjoy this one. It's, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't something that I would be like running out to tell people, hey, go watch this episode of Doctor Who. It's one of the greatest. You know, it wasn't. But there you go. That's that's my opinion. 2.7 calls from the woman in the shop out of five. So, gentlemen, this has been fun. Fun, fun, fun. Always fun to talk with you guys, even for something that we may not like totally wonderfully. But there you go. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for spending some time with us. 
We appreciate you. We're glad that you're here. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Give us a review on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast player. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 